Hello, and welcome back. This episode of Julia Talks About Things is called The Fall of the Weeping Angels. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast. Faster than you can believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away. And don't blink. Good luck. These are the first words said in the Doctor Who episode, Blink. It sets the tone for the episode as a whole, one with a darker vibe and one featuring an entirely new main character. So, how did the writers of Doctor Who get us to care? And, when we finally did care, how did they ultimately change the angels as villains in a later episode, to the point where they became something completely new? Sorry for the whole doom and gloom intro this episode, but I figured if I, we were talking about Blink, I might as well go all in, right? As I mentioned before, this episode I get to be a nerd and talk all about the Weeping Angels from Doctor Who, and spoiler alert, I don't really like them anymore. If you do, that's totally valid. This is just my critique as a writer, and as someone who has studied why horror works. Because the Weeping Angels are creatures of horror. They were introduced in one of the darker Doctor Who episodes, and have so much potential to be really creepy. But I'm getting ahead of myself. For my non-Doctor Who fan listeners, the Weeping Angels are returning villains throughout the series, first appearing in the episode Blink, as mentioned before. They are, according to the Doctor, the only psychopaths in the universe to kill you nicely. No mess, no fuss, they just zap you into the past and let you live to death. The wording of this is really interesting. It gets straight into the point and tells you all you really need to know about why the Angels are a threat. If you're thinking, but Julia, that doesn't sound so bad. They don't actually kill you. How can they be creepy? Then, oh boy, how wrong you can be. See, the angels are living stone. When you look at them, they're statues. You can't kill stone, and so it's the perfect defense. And stone can't kill you. But then you blink, or turn away, or stop paying attention to them. Then they move, quite quickly for monsters. And that's how you die. The episode Blink is what is called a Dr. Light episode. From a technical standpoint, this means the crew could film two episodes in the time it took to normally shoot one. One with the Doctor, and one with another character's lead. Blink features Sally Sparrow, a girl who found herself mixed up in the Doctor's world after she investigates an old, abandoned house. Sally has never appeared before, and never again, yet she captivated the audience with her, with her performance in what is regarded as one of the best episodes in the third season. Doctor Who writers got the chance to establish some rules for the Weeping Angels in Blink, since it was their debut episode. Angels can't move when you look at them, and their touch sends people back to the past. Their ultimate goal is to feed off time energy, which means when they discover the TARDIS, the Doctor's time ship, they realize they could feed off its energy forever and try to capture it. However, their defense turns out to be their weaknesses, because if angels look at each other, both can never move again. This is why they, quote-unquote, weep, covering their eyes against the gaze of their companions. Now that the exposition on info dump is over, why is Blink so good? There's obviously lots of reasons. I could go on and on about why Carrie Mulligan is such a good cast for the role of Sally Sparrow, but that's a different episode and I'm already a bit off track, so we'll stick to the writing and cinematography. Because this is a Dr. Light episode, the writing is different. The audience views the story from the eyes of Sally Sparrow, someone who has no idea who the Doctor is or that aliens and time travel are a real thing. Because of this, it's my favorite episode to show to people who have never seen Doctor Who in their life. 
You don't need to know about the complex history of why the Doctor can time travel or who the past companions and enemies are. You learn everything you need to know when Sally does, and that's that. The Doctor is a far-off figure who helps occasionally and is shrouded in mystery. Fans and non-fans all learn about the angels as they come, so everyone has a good time. Speaking about learning about the angels as they come, the writers also don't reveal everything about them at once. We see them in passing, and see some strange things happen surrounding them, and know that something is bad. But we don't find out everything until the characters work for the answer. Therefore, we feel rewarded for the exposition drop and don't notice it as much, as we're too busy putting the pieces together ourselves close to the climax. This is fairy horror. The idea that something is lurking in the shadows, something that we see in everyday life that has been twisted and turned into something after our main character, taking those close to her as collateral, is scary. This is why the writing of Blink is so good, because of how well it takes a normally very technical and sciencey show and turns it into something unique. It stands out from the rest, while still being believable that it's in the Doctor Who world, then wraps itself up nicely. A little story time really quick. My, me and my dad usually watch Doctor Who together, though not at the same time. I'll watch, and then when I come home for the weekend, I'll show him one or two episodes that I love. Normally, he enjoys the episodes I show him, but he has to ask questions. There's only a surface-level interest. One weekend, the episode I chose was Blink, and I have never seen him so interested in the show. The episode set the tone and ran with it, sucking him in. He asked questions about what would happen next gasped when the angels would change positions, and he was on the edge of his seat at the episode climax. Afterwards, we debriefed, and he told me how much he felt a part of the world, and how the way each shot was framed sold the episode for him. But I'll talk about the cinematography a bit later, because next, we get into the flesh and stone arc, or what ruined the angels for me. Alright, so the year is 2010. Doctor Who has just changed showrunners to the man who has written Blink and created the Weeping Angels. Why is this such a bad thing? The Flesh and Stone arc is a season 5 Doctor Who arc, taking place over two episodes. It features the angels making a return after the Doctor and his companion fall into an angel nest. With the help of some friends, they make it out in one piece, though they lose several allies in the process. The reason this story arc is so lame can be broken down into two factors, which means once again we're returning to the writing and cinematography of the episodes. I'll only briefly touch on the writing, as I feel like the arc breaks a huge rule in cinematography that's a, the peak of why they turned out so bad. But this is not a Dr. Light episode. Now we need to know all about Cracks in Time, the Doctor's wife, and why the Doctor cares at all. And this is fine, don't get me wrong, I love episodes like these. This is what Doctor Who is fundamentally about, and why I like the show. But we lose the uniqueness of the angels. Now the writers are trying to mix the mystery of creatures we already know about with the sci-fi complexity, and I'm not sure it works. But because we've already lost the mystery of the angels, the writers had to find a way to add more. And they did this by changing the angels' rules. This is a big no-no in most cases, unless there's a really good reason to. In Blink, we had already established what the angels could and couldn't do. Now they can do more? But why, we think to ourselves, if the angels could already do that, then why didn't they in Blink? And Doctor Who gives no answer. This treats the audience as, for lack of better term, stupid. Writers always have to believe that the audience will ask why. 
So just giving them new powers that they've supposedly always had feels like the writers went, oh, they won't notice. Just throw them in and the audience will eat it up like good little viewers. It's a bad way to treat such a loyal fan base, especially for new rules that are so dumb. Now, instead of zapping people back into the past, they start cold blood killing. Now, anytime an angel is drawn or photographed, the image turns into an angel and can also kill you. Now, if you look into the eyes of an angel, one appears in your head? The first new rule is pointless, but harmless. Sure, it doesn't give the angels any personal gain, but at least it's believable. The other two contradict what Blink had already established, as Sally Sparrow looked into their eyes multiple times and was fine. There were pictures that she had, and they were just that. Pictures. There is no story explanation as to why the angels got these powers. They just can now. <sighs> oh, okay, okay, sorry for the rant. Once again, these are my personal opinions. If you like the angels, then that is totally fine. I honestly wish I did still like them. Their lore is super unique. I think it's because the first episode was so good, it colored my perception of the other episodes to the point where if they didn't match or exceed that level, it was hard for me to enjoy. But <laughs> the one thing I can't forgive is the cinematography. For context, the only way the audience can see or experience a story is by looking at what is filmed. So the lens of the camera are the eyes of the viewers. Which means that if you have a villain that can't move when you look at it, you have to get creative. Blink does that. The cinematographer uses clever framing to hide the movements. Our hero steps in front of the lens, blocking the angel from view. And when the protagonist moves, the angel is in a new position. The camera will turn to look at something else in the room, and when it looks back, the angels have moved. Sure, they slightly overuse the dramatic zoom into the protagonist's eyes to show they blink and then the angels move shots, but they do it to emphasize larger movements. But in the climax of the episode, to really heighten tensions, the weeping angels mess with the lighting. Now the protagonists have a timer, and each time the room goes black, the angels move, getting closer and closer. Is this cheesy? Sure. But because it's saved until the end of the episode, it creates suspense. Now the angels are closing in. Now Sally Sparrow can't get the key into the TARDIS door, the only hiding place they can use. Flash, flash. The angels go from looking human to showing sharp, pointy teeth. Sally and her friends finally get into the TARDIS. But now the angels are shaking it, clawing their way in. Flash, flash. The TARDIS starts to disappear around them, leaving them at the mercy of these horrifying frozen monsters. Flash! The problem with the flesh and stone arc is that these camera tricks have already been used. Now we know about the lights, and the suspense is lost. Now we've seen the dramatic extreme close-up shots of the eyes, so the cinematographers had to create something new, because the audience was getting bored. So they committed one of the biggest mistakes. The angels moved on camera. And just like that, the audience is taken out of the story. As I said before, the camera is the eyes of the audience. In Blink, we're immersed in the world because we never see the angels move. We are one of the characters trying to survive. The second you show the angels moving on camera is the second the weeping angels turn from lifeless, spooky creatures to humans in cheap angel suits. Overall, Blink is still one of the best Doctor Who episodes there is. 
The Weeping Angels were a clever one-off, and they filled the purpose they were created for, to be an interesting monster for a Dr. Light episode. More horror than sci-fi, they were unique for the show. The writers and cinematographers were able to lean into the fantasy aspect of the sci-fi genre and play with the audience's expectations. After me and my dad watched Blink, I told him all about the Flesh and Stone arc, and he didn't seem as interested. Because, at the end of Blink, Sally Sparrow wins. The angels are trapped, never to move again, and we celebrate her victory and her return to a normal life. Their story is wrapped up, so to try and do more will always be an uphill battle. Bringing them back served no purpose but to milk the cash cow, which wasn't something Doctor Who needed. They were doing great, the show was in its heyday, so they could have moved on and called it that. But they stood by their decision, having the Weeping Angels appear until season 9 of the show, well past David Tennant and Matt Smith's era, when the Angels were most popular. Now, rather than being remembered as one of the greatest monsters of the week, they're just things that won't die, no matter how long we've known their weaknesses. I personally hope that the Angels are retired, or that they're somehow reinvented. I could see them being fun as a secondary conflict, something always lurking in the background like a ticking time bomb. Maybe the Doctor and their companions have another problem, so they can't focus on trapping the Angels as much as they were formerly able to. Who knows? With Russell T. Davies returning as showrunner, I feel like maybe he'll be more open to the idea of creating completely new villains rather than relying on the nostalgia from older ones, something the show falls for every time. But that's a different episode. For now, thanks so much for listening. I love dissecting Doctor Who, so if you enjoy listening to me do that, feel free to subscribe. One last reminder that if you like the angels, your opinions are valid. This is all in good fun. I just like using my background in film to kind of poke at cracks in overall one of my favorite series. Everyone has their own opinions, so if you have a point you want to make, feel free to continue the discussion in the comment section or email me at morphscomics at gmail.com. But until then, good night, goodbye, and don't blink. Because they really are everywhere.